Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. You're a right cornerback. It's injury time in the All-Ireland Final. Your team are a point down after dominating the match. It would just seem unfair if you were to lose this game, so there's only one thing for it. Sneak up the field, drift over towards the left for no apparent reason, get on the ball and swing it over the bar. It was kind of one of these situations. I read a description of kind of his decision-making process in the Times this morning, and it seemed like he had a plan. But really, it was so bizarre to have your left cornerback in that position that... I kind of thought it might be one of those situations where you ask him and he's like, I don't know. I can't understand why I was in that situation because there was no earthly reason for him to be there. Well, the description that I heard him give was quite a defender's description mm. of a point. It was a bit of a hit and hope and I hit it falling over. I didn't see the ball as it went over. That's a lot of defenderisms there. Yeah, he basically just threw it up in the air, swung his hurley at it and just left it to God. Well, I, yeah. I, which- Pretty amazing accuracy considering yeah. the right. What was he? he? Must have been like forty-five meters away from the post. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if you take the angle into account, it was rather more than that, fifty-five or sixty. I would have thought. So I mean, it's incredible. To be it honest. is. It's an. It was an incredible uh, moment to be honest. And I was actually sitting directly by. I was in the Cusick stand. I was sitting directly behind him, so I could watch the entire trajectory of the ball. Yeah. And I was just roaring. That's the corner back. Like, how does this happen? How, like, it's one of those sporting moments where you you have to double take as you're seeing it to see what the hell this guy is actually doing up there. And then also look at your watch as well and go, that really is amazing. Yeah. Here we are still playing at 20 to 7. <laughs> and uh, the whistle goes seconds after that uh, draw securing point. Marky Clerken described the match in the Irish Times today. This wasn't a hurling match. It was an endorphin bonanza. Mm. Is that how you felt, Murphy? Yeah, stadium? well, I, I should say that the, the first half was pretty disappointing, really. And I, w- I was perfectly, I was at peace with that. Because I was watching it going, you know, we've had a great summer. We were never going to get a final. You know, the final is just going to be a bit of a damn squib. Was that literally what you were thinking? Those were the thoughts that were going through your head in the first half. You know, we've had a great summer. <laughs> well, no. Because supporters are always that yeah. phlegmatic in no, the middle well, of a hold on, game. Se- hold on a second. Hold on a second here. All I was doing was... Trying to Murph is the most philosophical sports no, I've ever I was heard. Trying to make, be too much I was to disappointed. Now. I was disappointed that the All Ireland Final. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I was disappointed that the All Ireland Final uh, wasn't the game that I was hoping for. But I wasn't. You know, I, I wasn't upset by it. I mean, yeah. I could. I was trying to justify 
my extreme disappointment. Yeah. You're looking at me like... Kenneth Murphy was one fine. of those... What, what team did Graeme Sunis manage in Turkey again? Uh, Galatasaray, Yeah, it? so if he was one of those Fenerbahce fans, Murph, uh, at the game and yeah. the uh, Galatasaray flag... Out, yeah. The Galatasaray flag is stuck by Graeme Sunis into the middle of this riotous situation. Murph be, well... Yeah, on that's just how hand, it is. On the one hand, that's not a great <laughs> thing to do. On the other... You can kind of see where the guy's coming from, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Well, I, I mean, I'm just... I'm, you know... I'm just. Trying, well, no, I'm a deep thinker what, on the what game. What were you thinking like, then, though, in the second half? What was is, your internal? This is really narrative? tremendous, tremendous fun. <laughs> I, I was thinking that for about the entire 35 minutes. Thinking that aloud in words. Oh, the, the pendulum of, of psychic energy swings back and forth. This in the pantheon of classic finals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if that's probably not really was what I was thinking. I'm sorry, Ken. <laughs> yeah, because I heard you say it was the third best of the last five years. Yeah, it, well, it, it actually was, which is ridiculous in itself, because the 09 and 2010 finals were both better than it. But, okay, I'm going to stop talking now, because the two of you think I'm a total weirdo. Great end to the weekend, anyway, and a great start to the week. I woke up to the news today, I think it came out actually yesterday, but I only came across it this morning, that wrestling, Ken, has been reinstated as an Olympic sport. Yeah. Presumably what? after much campaigning by AC Slater from Saved by the Bell and the Big Boss Man, together, their powers <laughs> combined. Why were they going to... I mean, I'd heard that they were taking wrestling out, and I, there was a... Article I read some American Dan Gable was that the one? Yeah, yeah. I tweeted that this morning actually. Oh, did you? Right, by okay. chance. Yeah. Well, um, Dan he, Gable is a legendary American wrestler. He won uh, in, in actual Montreal Olympic wrestling, like as opposed to my favorite. Uh, but type. I could, I just couldn't quite understand why they were ever taking it off. I mean, it's just a kind of one of the things that makes the Olympics the Olympics. Yeah, it's a pretty easy one just to leave in there yeah. and not bother it. It does what it does. Nobody watches much of it. But it, it links us to, to our past. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's got tradition. I mean, it's, it's one of the most ancient of them all, yeah. isn't it? Oh, I, 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 I well, the first, there's the too first, many more ancient. Yeah, I mean, the first WrestleMania was back in the oh, late 70s. Oh, God. Just give it a rest, will you? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm getting abused this morning, and this guy, the big, he just said the phrase, the big boss man. We're talking rugby today. It's the start of the season. I had a chat with Simon yesterday, Ken. I said, can we maybe talk about the opening weekend of the Rabo? A couple of good wins for the Irish provinces there. A preview of the Heineken Cup, perhaps. It, mm. it is the premier European competition. But no, Simon wanted to go a little deeper. He said, you're thinking too narrow here, man. That's, yeah. that's how he phrased it. <laughs> right. He said, you've got to think. you got to think outside the box here. He wants to talk about how... Joe, this is his theory, right? Joe Schmidt has taken over as Ireland coach. Mm. He's obviously a brilliant, very capable man. He's already worked in the system yet he's not tied to the system. He's got this New Zealand rugby mentality. There's a bunch of New Zealand coaches and one Aussie coach in charge of the provinces. So Schmidt is going to meld them all together into this one incredible, successful and beautiful to watch playing style, which is going to lead the provinces to glory and Ireland to three grand so, in the next four years. So Joe Schmidt is like Captain Planet. Is that what you're saying? That's Simon's theory, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, so I like what it. We're, what we're, that's what we're going to talk about. How, is Joe Schmidt going to essentially coach Five teams to, <laughs> yeah. to glory. That's what we're... Sort of, yeah. It's along those lines. Can, he, what, lift, what, can he lift all the boats? Yeah. I mean, do you, to create a, one, uh, a, a unified Irish brand of rugby that will take us to glory on all fronts. Which I mean, is I'd, copied from New Zealand. It yeah. doesn't matter where it's copied from. Well, I mean, if you're going to copy anyone, Ken. <laughs> well, like, you know, Ronald O'Gara says, if you're going to copy someone, you can only be as good as them. If yeah. you want to be better, you've got to be a little bit different. Okay, uh, well, to be honest, I'd probably take us being as good as New Zealand. I, I'd handle that. You know, if, if we have a 50, 50% record against New Zealand over the course of Joe Schmidt's coaching career, 
we'll probably be doing okay. We are out a day early today with the programme, by the way. That's for a couple of reasons. One, because we're making our TV debut together tomorrow night, yeah. which we're really excited yeah. about in RT. Let's That's Simon it. in the background there. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be focusing on that tomorrow, and you guys will probably be focusing on the Ireland game. Or maybe you won't at this point, I don't know, but the Ireland match is going to be uh, on tomorrow evening. So for those reasons, we thought we'd get this out nice and early. Hopefully you're happy enough with that. We're going to start by chatting now to author and journalist Chrissy O'Connor, who is on the line, and we've just been joined in studio by Dublin fullback Peter Kelly. Peter, thanks for coming into us. Did you enjoy that second half as much as anybody else? It was absolutely phenomenal stuff. Um, couldn't have called the second half. If we had watched the first half, we thought Clare were going to run away with it, and even in the first five minutes after the second half, Clare seemed to pick up where they left off as well. And just, I think, that Conor Lahan goal that sparked it in, Clare, in Cork, and, and they looked like a different team after that. Can you take us through a? You're in the fullback line yourself. A right corner back's mindset. What's he doing up in the left half forward position, banging points over at injury time to equalise? It just summed up the game. Really, it was just absolutely insane. And as as Davy Fitz said on the Sunday game last night, the last person they probably would have wanted it was Donald Dunman, and and he turned out to be the man to do it, like on his yeah. left side as well. So it was just summed up the game. Phenomenal stuff. Yeah, Christy. I mean, there, and there's a. Quite a backstory to Donald Donovan as well, because his twin brother did something similar in the the O nine under twenty one final as well. Yeah, sure. Look at Cormac got the got the win and scored about. I think it was actually an injury time or um, wasn't the last play now, Morph, but it was close enough to it. Um, like they have five or fourteen points each, and he came up with the with the winner. Like so, yeah, it was great history. But I even listening to him on the radio yesterday, Morph, um, you know, he was speaking about uh, you know his mindset just prior to the score, and he felt that look at his day, you know, he's he's his job as a defender was done for the day and he saw a huge amount of space in front of him. He was looking for the puck out, didn't get it, um, you know, moved forward and, you know, look, could you even just have that cold-blooded conviction to, to be thinking like that, you know, with the time up? Um, you know, it says a lot about the mindset and about the, the courage of these clear boys. And, so it wasn't you know, just like, a fluke, Christy, that he sort of found himself up there. There was a, He was thinking about what he might do to benefit the team at that stage and it just happened to be go forward and score a point. That's what he said. Like, he, he, he more or less said, well, look at... If my man gets another score at this stage, it doesn't matter. The game is over anyway. So he, like, if you look at him, he was actually looking for the puck out. You know, he probably wanted Packetty to hit him a few seconds earlier. But like, if you look at where he ended up, more he, he effectively was in the half forward line. So, yeah. you know, like it, it just, I suppose, it shows the mentality of these guys. And you know, it's kind of almost ironic in some sense that you know, I suppose, the genesis of the the Clare current revolution was, I suppose, started by his brother, his twin brother, and. um you know, because that that win, I suppose, you know, started the, I suppose the, you know, the belief that Clare having themselves and um, phenomenal score, like for a guy, um, you know, that had never, I think he got a point against Leash actually in the in the qualifiers. People were saying he hadn't scored before, but you know, like for a guy like that who's a cornerback, um, to be you know to be just thinking like that. But even in the first half, I thought he set the tone early on. I'm sure Peter would probably elaborate more on it, but in the first five five or ten minutes, like. He just completely took the game by the scruff of the neck and was wiping Conor Lehan off the off the pitch, like and um, coming out with ball and setting up attacks. So, you know, like um, he, and he's a guy maybe that might have been had some doubts about at stages of the championship, but you know, great pace, great to attack the ball. Um, some people have been critical of him because he is a little bit unorthodox the way he turns the toe of the hurley, but you know, um, just that score, like you know, just to, to engineer a score in that fashion at, at that stage of the game. Unbelievable stuff. Unbelievable that they actually needed to do that, though, Peter. Can you work out how it was that Clare hadn't put that game away before that point? I suppose the way Clare play it, they they seem to be happy enough to take their points. Um, twenty five points, maybe in the championship, they've 
scored over 20 points in every single game. David Fitz would always elaborate on how much we were hitting wides and he seemed happy enough to be hitting wides because they're taking the shots. But even yesterday, they never really looked like they were scoring a goal. So they kind of always, when you're, not, when you're not scoring goals, it's a lot easier to kind of come back because the other team has just went up and scored three goals and, and that was them back in no time. Like So Clarence always seemed to give you that chance to come back. They have such skillful hurlers, such good forwards and pace and all those things that you need and they're, they've got a good ability to draw freeze as well. Why do, why can't they, or why do you think there's the reluctance to try and make that happen in and around the, the goal to maybe even win a penalty or get a goal? It's just it's just a style that they play. It's a, they, they play a possession type of game and every player seems to be unbelievably confident in the ball and and the skillful players that they have, maybe the Podge Collins of this world, maybe are too light to burst their way through the tackling towards the goal, where they seem to be quick enough to dance around and put it over the bar instead. Different. It's a completely different side of hurling that we, we're used to, really. Chrissy, you were very confident about Clare. You thought that they could come up and do it. Did you, they certainly did themselves justice, but they don't have an All-Ireland in the bag just yet. What do you think the mindset is going to be amongst the players now with an under-21 final to play as well? Yeah, look, I, I don't think, um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, Clare will be too, you know, I suppose worried about what, you know, not finishing off the job yesterday. Obviously, you know, had a massive chance, but um, I suppose for us, the 21 final in one sense is probably a good thing, Owen, because, you know, look at it, it shifts the focus a little bit as well. You know, it was three weeks again, and, you know, build-ups to an Ireland finals can be long, drawn-out processes, whereas the, the 21 guys will go back now, there's 14 of the panel, they'll go back, they'll train with the 21 this week. No disrespect to Antrim, but, you know, they can't, there won't be any other result than a clear win on Saturday night. You know, then they'll come back, they'll do another week, and then they'll be back into it again. So I think it's it, it's positive. I think, you know, to go back to your original point, you know, a lot of, an awful lot of very, very positive clear performances yesterday, Kieran. Like every defender won his individual battle. Um, you know, like I thought Pat Donnell was brilliant in the middle of the pitch. Podge Collins was Clare's best forward, um, along with Seamus Harrandy, probably the best forward on display. Um, you know, Tony Kelly, 12 plays, did a lot of good things. Um, you know, Clare will still feel they can get more out of the likes of Derek Conan. Um, but, you know, like, as I said, like an awful lot of very, very positive performances for, um, you know, First Ireland senior final for most all of these guys so I think yeah look at going into the next day very very positive and look at it would have been an absolute travesty you know you have to give it to Cork the way they hung in there and the way they never let the game get away from them but you know I think it would have been a real travesty I'm not just saying that because I'm from Clare but given the, the way Clare dominated the game given the way they you know they wiped out Cork on Cork's puck outs 115 puck outs Cork puck outs um, you know it, it just as a comparison like the Cork forwards made 63 plays when the sides met in June like last day or yesterday the Cork forwards made 36 plays absolutely obliterated the Cork forward but you know you have to give it to like the likes of Horgan you know the likes of Pat Ronan. like Pat Ronan didn't have the ball in his hand once in the second half prior to his goal Lehan had made one play in the first half you know then t- comes along gets probably the individual goal of the year Horgan hadn't been on the ball once in the second half then displays absolute genius to get the, the point to put them ahead for the first time so, you know, you have to say with Cork, it underlines the inherent confidence these guys have in themselves to be able to dig that out. And I think, you know, in fairness to Cork, they had got one goal this season. You know, Clare had got 21 points after 55 minutes, and Cork realised, look, we're just not going to be able to match these guys' scoring rate. We're going to have to go hunting for goals. And they did, and in fairness to them, they got them. And, you know, could have had a couple of more. So, you know, given that Cork were wiped out, you still have to take your hat off to them to say, you know, they found a way to, to actually survive. Is it actually, you, know, you sound very positive from a clear perspective there, Christy, but is it actually really deflating that they played so well and yet 
they're still not All Ireland champions this morning. It is deflating, Kieran, but I think the manner in how Clare rescued the game, you know, removes a lot of that kind of frustration because, you know, I think look at I think if Clare had lost yesterday, I think the whole county would be <laughs> sunk in serious depression today, you know. And I don't use that word lightly, but you know, it would have been just an absolute I suppose injustice given how they dominated the game and you know how like when you look at those stats from from a from from a Cork perspective you're saying how can you actually you know survive in a game with those numbers but you know I suppose goals are decisive and um you know especially in big games and I suppose you know as Peter said you know the Clare aren't really set up to score goals um I suppose they if you you know they went conventionally yesterday I suppose the one I suppose tactic they tried to you know unconventional was they tried to isolate Horn and they tried to isolate on at, at stages, you know, pull out McGrath and Podge. And um, I suppose, look, the way they looked at it, you know, he did, Conan had the potential to have done massive damage in the Munster semi-final, could have actually had four goals, was involved in four goal-scoring chances in the first half. And I suppose they felt that if they could do that again, now, Conan, he could have had a goal in the first half, um, but, you know, you'd have to admit that Shane O'Neill won that battle emphatically in the second half. Conan won, he made two plays and... Um, you know, so like Cork and Ferris got that match up right, but um, you know, I I would say yeah, deflated to a point, Morph. But you know, getting the equaliser in that fashion, I suppose, takes away a lot of that. You know, Peter, the point that Christy makes about the Cork, a couple of the Cork forwards underperforming all day and then coming up with goals, coming up with scores at crucial times. Does it take a certain mindset to be in a big game like that to not worry about mistakes that you're making or just in a forwards case not making any impact and then actually go and do it when the time comes? The Conor Lahan one, I'd make a point about that. He had done nothing in the first half. In fact, you barely think he was playing. And I think it was because he had done nothing in the first half and in the second half, he got that ball on the far, on the Hogan Sand 45, and John said, John, I'm going in with this. And the, the space seemed to open up. It was so unclear like that they'd allow that space to be there. Yeah. And seeing it back from the from the camera in the hill, like there was, he had a clean run for 45 yards into goal. And I'd say the keeper would be unhappy with his performance with that. But that literally started the spark. And then all of a sudden, the Clare or the Cork lads seem to say, Joe, there is space here. And the next one, the Moylan one as well, space forty five yards, clean one in. So it was, I think it was because he was hurling so poorly that he said, Joe, I'm gonna have a cut of this if I'll either draw free and I'll get myself into the game. But I think he really grabbed the, the bull by the horns there. Yeah, and I think it's it's a kind of thing where if you're marking a guy like that and Lahan, the Cork people around me were just roaring for Lahan to be taken off from about twenty minutes on. And uh, when you're on a guy like that who, where nothing has gone right for him all day, you you must think that mentally, right, I have this guy right where I need him. And then for the Cork lads to actually be able to do that and put that to one side and be able to come up with the big scores, it's actually a, a big credit to them. It is, I suppose. It's probably the, the mindset that, that Jimmy Barry Murphy has instilled in him as well. That's just the never say die, constant belief type of thing. And the fact that he was he was left on, Kind of, he probably said, "You know what? You know, I'm being left on here. I have a chance." Yeah. Um, and he probably maybe said, "This could be my last chance. I might be taken off now. I better do something quick." And and it worked out well. Christy, just on the, I find that quite interesting from Peter there to Claire. Maybe we're caught somewhat on the hop once Cork started running at them, and I know people have looked at this Cork team and similar to Clare and thought that maybe there's a chance for them to go for more goals than they have done. They didn't really go for it against Peters Dublin in the semi-final. Once they actually did, Clare weren't 100% sure how to stop it. Suddenly it was raining goals. Yeah, I suppose, look at... Um, 
I'm sure Cork would have would have addressed that at half time on like you know the fact that Clare weren't playing with the sweeper and I suppose look at there was a lot of talk during the week that Clare were going to go conventional and they were I suppose look at and, and and it was justified in a lot of areas when you look at you know I suppose they trusted every defender to win their own individual battle and like you know they had the matchups right you know we'll say like um you know Conor Ryan who was man of the match like you know he had still had a big battle with Harnley but I suppose look at they did abandon the sweeper and I suppose look at you could say um, you know, maybe with 15 minutes to go, when Clare were five points ahead, well, look at let's. You could have said, well, okay, maybe let's go back to the sweeper now. And I suppose Cork, I'm sure Cork would have said at halftime, look at there is that space there because if you look at the, the goal chance that Graham Mulcahy had, you know, early on against Limerick, um, he rounded O'Donovan and he, he literally went for goal. And you know, Graham, Graham Mulcahy is one of the fastest players in the game, but Donlan still got back and you know got enough of a kind of a of a hook on him to, you know, for Mulcahy to. You know, impact on his swing, and Pat Kelly made a great save. So look, at, that was the I suppose that's the balance you 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 know you have like you know you say well okay we have Pat Donnell out in the middle of the pitch, um like Lockall McLaughlin who was brilliant against Dublin, especially coming on to the break on the puck out, like you know Pat Pat Donnell wiped out McLaughlin yesterday, um he saw off Pat Cronin as well when he went to midfield. So I suppose that's the equation you have to balance. But um you know there was that space there though I will admit like that hadn't been there in in the two previous games and. I suppose you know. Look at if Clare were to look at it again, I'm sure they would maybe say this worked. It worked for 55 minutes, and you know maybe when they were five points ahead, you know maybe they could have dropped Pat Donnellan back and maybe could have brought brought out um, you know somebody out from inside. But look at then if 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 Clare had gone with that and you know Cork had got back into the game, you know maybe with points or maybe there was a bit more space outside. You know Clare would have been criticised for well why didn't they they just stay with their formation? So I would say yeah, um, I think it worked for Clare. But I would say maybe that they might have felt in the last 15 minutes, um, maybe it was time to revert back. But look, it's easy to talk to, and uh, you know, within the game when things are going well for you, um, you know, it's hard to change it as well. Yeah, and we know that Jimmy Barry Murphy is just a hugely positive person. He certainly seems to be that way, and he radiates that, and his team seem to feed off it. So he, what I'm sure he's going to try and tighten everything else. So Peter, I guess he's going to be showing those lads that last 15 minutes and saying, listen, we do this for 70 minutes, we're going to be All-Ireland champions. Is it possible to do that, though? Because Clare will obviously have their own their own plan to counteract that now. It's the way he's going to have to approach it, I suppose. He's going to have to say, this is the weaknesses, this is where we can exploit, really. So, But I don't think he'd be naive enough to think that just by doing that, they'll win the game or they'll, they'll play just as well in the last 15. I think they'll probably have to prepare for Clare playing the sweeper now. I, I nearly assume that they will after Davy will watch the game back and say we were very vulnerable for the ball running in. So I, I would be very surprised you know, if, if Clare didn't play the sweeper, and I'd be very surprised if Jimmy Barry Murph didn't expect that either. If you're playing in that team, if you're in the Cork defence, if you're in the full back line, would you be quite thankful for that sweeper? I suppose you would admit, like if you look the last, the semi final and quarter final, I think the full back got man the match because there was a seven defender there. Like So it just shows how it, it's a different different defence when you have a seven man there and it definitely makes your job a bit easier uh, Christy the, I know we're, we're, we're almost trying to get into players mindsets and we don't know what necessarily they're thinking or what effect the break will have on, on various teams but it certainly seems as though despite the fact that a lot of these players are playing in the first All-Ireland final certainly the Clare team um, performed to their to their ability so can we kind of forget about this say this time last year we're looking at Galway and we're thinking oh well they got a draw okay they could have won that game but they've got the experience now of Croke Park All-Ireland final so that will stand to them against Kilkenny it didn't actually work out that way is there anything we can learn from that for this time? 
Yeah, well, I suppose first thing on, you're talking about two completely different teams, like we say, in terms of, you know, you looked at Kilkenny last, you look at the experience they have, and, you know, I suppose look at Kilkenny felt um, last year that, I suppose, you know, that they were starting to work all the way out. If you looked at the second half of the, the drawing game, that they were, you know, they were starting to work all the way out. So, you know, that, that there was that ma- massive tactical, I suppose, um, adjustment that they had to make. And even after the, the drawing game last year, Kilkenny didn't really train that much. Like, they, they took their foot off the gas and they felt they maybe were a bit tired going into the game. So you know, um, I got that. I suppose that teams might learn from that. Um, but just to to go back to would say what the Kilkenny perspective, you know, like you look at the experience Kilkenny have. You know, the big game All Ireland final. You know, it's, it was second nature to them. They just felt they maybe underperformed. Whereas, you know, even Shetland she- even saying it in the after the replay, he said that look at our our you know our game is built on work rate and 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 you know all of that stuff. And they felt that they let themselves down in that regard in the drawing game. So. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think any team will, will will feel yesterday that you know that they um they didn't work hard enough or they didn't play. But you know, Cork will still feel that if you look at a lot of their players, you know that they will feel that a lot of them underperformed. Um, a lot of Clare guys played really well, and um, I suppose you know that they will still be looking for a, a bit more out of some some guys. But you know, I would say that Cork would definitely feel they have more room for improvement. But you know, Clare will feel as well on that they won't concede three goals the next day. So I think a lot of that will balance itself out. And I don't think you can compare last year, given that it is Kilkenny and given the experience Kilkenny have. Davy Fitzgerald afterwards, Christy, was using the... Um, he was kind of putting out the idea that, look, we're the small fish, we're up against the big fish, we're doing the best that we can do here. Uh, I guess that is maybe true when you look at the traditional successes of both counties but not so true when you look at maybe underage success of the, the two counties in the last uh, number of years is that quite a clever ploy is that something that he drives home behind the scenes as well does he try to build up this idea that look we're just the small guys here or is that just a thing for the media ah no look I think it is it's probably Davy's mentality it's probably always the way he's taught like and you know look that's the way he motivated himself and um, you know look it is probably a bit of a siege mentality and that's that's the way he approaches it and uh you know, look, he was a bit a bit critical of the referee maybe after the game, but like, you know, I would say okay, Cork did get some handy frees, you know, but like I don't think as a clear person you could you could argue with Brian Gavin given that, you know, I know the ref would have blown that that game up on, on the seventy second minute, and you know he did give clear that one chance, so you know I would say it, it balanced out, but you know look at that's just the way Fitzy operates, he he operates with a siege mentality no matter what team he has, so I I don't really think that there's too much relevance to that. Is that is it? Would you see any relevance to that, Peter? Just that kind of is that something that you yourselves say with Dublin would would talk about in any way? I suppose every team likes to be an underdog, so maybe David Fitz just wanted his Clare team to play like underdogs and and feel like they were slaying the Giants that type of thing. So I'd agree with Christy there. That would be just the motivation factor for for Davy and the players to think that John you know, we're going to turn over one of the big traditional counties here and it'll. Add, add fire to the system. Yeah, and you've done that already this season, having drawn with Kilkenny, and then to go out and beat them then the replay. I mean, that takes a degree of mental strength. I mean, every, I think everyone said Dublin have missed missed their chance. I don't, I don't really think that it's the same thing for Clare because obviously they were they've been very good all year, and Cork really haven't aren't good enough to kind of put them into the same bracket as the Kilkenny team that you guys beat this year. But is there a little something to that maybe that you're up against one of the the big three in a replay? Yeah, I, su- like we, I suppose it was different with us. We we had a week, we had a week, so we didn't really have a chance to yeah, to get down. It. We kind of had yeah. to. We were back training on on Wednesday, I think after. So, um, it might be a different different thing now to prepare for three weeks and keep the. They'll probably do absolutely nothing this week now and literally 
won't pick up a hurl and barely will probably meet up just to kind of totally freshen the minds now because it's, it's as much about freshening the minds as it is you're not going to improve your touch you're not going to improve your tactics things in three weeks it's literally about getting the mind fresh and, and coming back knowing that it's not Ireland final to win there Christy just lastly as a Clare man it sounds like you're feeling pretty pretty good about things yeah I, I look at I'm just so, I'm so delighted um, that you know Clare didn't lose yesterday and, and that's you know I, I think from a neutral and even the, I'm sure a lot of corporate people own would admit that obviously you know they're disappointed not to have won but I don't think anybody could really complain with with, with a draw yesterday and look at you know I felt last year that you know the the the, the replay kind of adds it, it shaves nearly a month off the winter like um you know and you, you have that to look forward to and look at like yesterday days like yesterday like it just days you, you you know it's just wondered wonderful to be you know at events like that and, and to be a hurling man and, and to watch that stuff like it's I don't know, I want to get nostalgic and all that, but it's just superb, like, and it's brilliant to have another, you know, lead into another All-Iron final to look forward to. So I would say, look at, you know, just so happy that the Clare are still there, but I think as well, I think just from a general perspective, I just think it's 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 a fair, it was a fair result and it's reflective of the wonderful season we've had. I think it would have been, um, you know, a little bit, uh, taken a little bit if Clare had lost in the fashion that they dominated the game. All right, Christy O'Connor, great stuff. And Peter Kelly, thank you very much for coming in. Really good chat there, Murph. I, I'm quite taken with how positive Christy was. Yeah. Uh, uh, I he was have... super positive uh, the the last time that we spoke to him last and week. And he was right to be because he, he knew, he, he was really confident. His point last week was, look, yeah, Cork have tradition, blah, blah, blah. Claire are the ones with the tradition. They're the ones winning underage here. They're the ones who go into this with more proven ability than the Cork team, uh, which proved to be the case but yeah. they didn't win and there's some, also there's something about Jimmy Barry Murphy I'm looking at him on the sideline when they went a point ahead and I looked as though Cork were going to win the All-Ireland and no disrespect to these Cork hurlers but it wouldn't be the greatest bunch of 15 yeah. players or squad of whatever 30 players not yet you know like to, could, to ever win an All-Ireland for him to get them to this level so quickly is insane even the most positive Cork person I don't think was predicting an All-Ireland title within two seasons no no, absolutely not. And uh, I, I, there is something to him, you know, but I think that, um, uh, you know, you can overstate the tradition and all the rest of that. I mean, what really counted against Clare was that they never even, as we've just discussed, they never really created the goals. But other than that, there is so much to be to be positive about. And it's uh, interesting and informative to hear to hear Christie be as positive as he is because I remember walking away from the, the drawn All-Ireland final last year when Galway had drawn with Kilkenny and they had to hit a last-second point to equalise. I remember being pretty positive as well that Galway had managed to go, go through the sort of All-Ireland experience and they had obviously hammered Kilkenny earlier in the year and had proved again that they were pretty much their equal. I think what Galway didn't do then was try and change it up for the replay. Kilkenny changed how they approached the game completely for the replay and obviously won convincingly. So I think that you can be positive uh, on a lot of levels for Clare, but at the same time, they're going to have to do something different. And, you know, Peter seemed to think that the sweeper, they're going to definitely mm. play the sweeper role next time around. And but he also said that Jimmy Barry Murphy is going to expect that to happen. So maybe, you know, there's an element of a double bluff. False nine for yeah. JBM. Yeah, you, don't, you just don't know, you know. But I, I think that they will, the two managers will definitely look at it and say... They're not going to be happy with what they saw yesterday. They're going to change something quite quite drastically. I quite think. predictably, after the game yesterday, there were a number of hurling people, for some reason, feeling the need to talk 
uh, in a negative sense about other sports in order to mm. show how great they're. We, we, you don't need to do that. We all understand how great hurling is. I think this like might that. have to do with the endorphin um, rush Bonanza. that, that uh, Malachy Clerkin was talking yeah. about earlier that we mentioned earlier on. I mean, essentially uh, a natural intoxication, um, which which resulted in this. Uh, Times almost even slurred speech, um, huge enthusiasm for the game, and obviously chauvinistic uh, traducing of uh, all other sports, particularly the ones you get paid to play. Yeah, football, especially, uh, I would say. But the point I wanted to make was that this idea that oh, you have these professional footballers kicking a ball around, not having a clue what they're doing, look at these hurlers here, as though none of these hurling teams could do with any of the Irish players. I think all Clare needed to win that All Ireland was Robbie Keane. And I'm not talking about Robbie Keane as having trained as a hurler since no. he was... I'm, Robbie the Keane actual Robbie right Keane that's in yeah. Vienna right now. Because yeah. he, he'll find a way to get you a goal. Yeah. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. He won't contribute. He might not contribute he anything else. He won't contribute anything else. He'll but the ball will end up in the net. Derek Conan, Conan's goal chance after 25 minutes of the first half. Anthony Nash saves brilliantly, deflects it out. Robbie Keane, he, he probably dropped his hurl out of disinterest. Yeah. But he's right there on the six-yard box. There's no offside rule. Can you believe that? Imagine how happy Robbie Keane would be. There's no offside. He could actually just stand right there. I was directly behind Robbie Keane, directly behind Robbie Keane at the far end of the pitch in the south stand. And as soon as the defender underhit that header slightly and undersold his goalkeeper, but even before that, as the ball was was bouncing from Shane Long's head towards the Swedish defender's head, I'm thinking, Robbie Keane's going to score a goal here. And everybody in the stadium is thinking it. He's going to find a way to get this into the goal somehow. And it doesn't matter that it's going to take him clattering through a goalkeeper one defender overrunning it, another one kind of flicking it in an opposite direction. He's going to score this goal. Yeah. Which is great. It's oh, it was the only positive that we have these it's days. It's honestly one of the most exciting goals I've ever seen there because of, because of the fact that it was there was four or five seconds of <laughs> are we about to <laughs> <Yeah>. score? <laughs> and then finally we did. So it was brilliant. But More uh, of that coming up at six o'clock yeah. tonight. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Uh, you can laugh. I was the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I'm down Field, and we'll see them all. What you doing down here, you shiny man? Second cap is football, Ken. Yeah, we're going to, we'll obviously talk about Ireland and what's going on. I mean, Trap Tony's now openly sort of saying, yeah, you know, I'm gone. But, you know, you guys think you're going to get any better? Tell you what, I'll give you my phone number. You can call me in a few months and see if you've improved. But I don't think you will. So when things have got to that stage, I suppose we are. Is that what he's saying? It seemed, it seemed that because he says different things to different people, but it seemed like he told a group of daily journalists over yeah. the weekend. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, his throat. tone there was was not really his his actual tone. I mean, he's you know he's he's uh, experienced enough to know when uh, a certain uh, dignity. Is appropriate, you know, a sort of uh, he's he's got his head held high. I mean, I saw him on, on Friday night and the after immediately after the match, you know, and he is uh, he, he comes in. Obviously, the match has been a complete pig of a performance. Mm. It's been a complete disaster. We've been we've lost at home again. We actually have lost four competitive home matches now in a trap, which is a lot. I think it's as many as we lost going all the way back to 1986. Okay, so that's not great. Um, and there's very little that he can. Stand over. Uh, there's very little that positive that he can say, and yet there he is. And it's more just his bearing, you know, his chin up, sort of his whole attitude, you know, speaking respectfully to all the reporters, uh, polite, charming, um, talking nonsense, obviously. But you know, you, you, I've seen managers in that sort of position where they're beaten down, and they're obviously 
ashamed of what's just happened and they can't meet anyone's eye and it's just horrible to watch. But Trapattoni, you know, I suppose maybe he just didn't really care. <laughs> that's that's another alternative. He wasn't really too bothered. It's just uh, it's just business. He's really good at this because yeah. when and I personally I've probably got, I probably have more respect for Trapattoni in the way that he's handled himself over the last few months since it looked since the FAI just stopped really Island. supporting him yeah. to yeah. opening it looked as though they might be getting a little bit fed up with him around the time of the Faroe Islands game. You handle that beautifully. If you want to get me out of here, you can get me out of here. Yeah. It's just a matter of paying you, up this you contract. you got my bank details. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty easy. And, and even now, yeah, again, he's talking nonsense, but I think he is a dignified man. Oh, he is, yeah. And he's, he's you know, he. I mean, his whole thing is, look, your team, sorry, Ireland, but like, do you have a Messi? No. Do you have a Bettini? No. So, I mean, what really do you expect me to do? Do you have a Wes Hoolan? No, <laughs> not, not, not a pitch actually. anyway. No, yeah. so you know we'll talk about that, but we're also going to talk actually about um, um, a book called "The Nowhere Men," which is quite an interesting book by Michael Calvin, who's the chief sports writer for the Independent on Sunday in the UK, and it's uh, he essentially has spent a long time going on the road with the scouts who work in English football. So um, scouts who are trying to find sort of. Uh, kids who can play football, scouts who are trying to find, you know, players who can be signed by Premier League clubs, you know, as first team players, sort of, you know, how do you, you know, if you're Everton and you need a, a new left back because you're going to sell late mains, how do you actually find that guy? You know, it's quite interesting, actually. Yeah. Ever Everton, they reckon they need to identify at least nine players to come in to, to come in for that. And then they sign the one they can get. Uh, it's not really about signing the one that you want. Right. It's just which one of these nine... Is actually going to sign for us. But, you know, um, we're going to talk about it to him about his book as well. Right, delighted to be joined by Eddie O'Sullivan and in studio by Trevor Hogan to talk about a thesis that's been put forward by Simon Hick. Trevor, I'm going to, if, if he's totally wrong on all this, I'm disassociating myself straight away. But for, you're keeping well, first of all, I should ask you. Great, yeah, yeah, just missing out on all the rugby over the summer. Uh, we're getting back to it now. But Simon's theory is that we've got a really smart, really inventive coach ahead of our national team who understands what it takes for a provincial teams to be successful he's got a bunch of other countrymen around the provinces this is our moment as a country over the next couple of years to build a system build a style of play and an all-encompassing system which we've probably failed to do over the last number of years and this is going to lead us to be a heavyweight of world rugby what do you think yeah it's an interesting uh thesis as as you as he, simon suggests um the only uh, maybe obstacle I would see to that is that each coach is going to have his own personality and his own um, areas he wants to stamp on. And we've already kind of seen some of that with Matt now, in Matt O'Connor in Leinster. He's already changed a good few uh, things around. He's changed some of the calling systems and even some of the patterns of play and, and maybe even the, the defensive style. So, you know, I, I can see where Simon's coming from and the possibilities are there maybe, but I would look at in terms of that being the level below the senior level, maybe the the fundamentals at academy level that that, that Joe could implement throughout the, the country. And, and what I'd be referring to there is just Joe's attitude in terms of accuracy in, in passing, accuracy in, in the real basics of holding your line and knowing when to stay flat and know when to be deep and really changing your, your, your acceleration onto the ball at right times and just having those basics 
really um I think uniform throughout the academies and throughout the, the the country, and maybe we've seen some of that already. He's been in 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 Connacht and he's been around some of the provinces doing some of that stuff with the younger players, and I could see that could follow through. Right, maybe yeah. so there are seeds a, for a longer I, term. I think so. Yeah, you know, he has sat down, and you know, he has sat down with all the coaches and. But I, 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 Eddie would know more about this. It'd be very hard for the senior, um, senior Ireland coach to kind of try and you know impose a, a strategy of play or a style of play on on all of the the provinces. Eddie, is it something that Joe Schmidt would ideally like to do? Well, yeah, ideally, what you'd like is all the players coming through to the national team, you know, thinking and playing the same way. But Trevor's right. There's, it's a bit of a fool's goal trying to find that. You know, what I mean, like most coaches when they sit down to to plan a strategy of how they'll play, they'll look at, firstly, their strengths and weaknesses. Um, as a team, you can only play to your strengths. And that even adjusts then as based on who you're playing. But the overall kind of basic strategy of how you play is based on, on your, the type of players you have. So it's the type of players come through in the provinces, and, and the provincial coaches will do the same, and they're in different competition. Like one of the big adjustments Joel have to make, and he knows this himself, I'm not telling him, but for people who are listening in, is that the amount of time he gets with the players is so much limited compared to what the time he had when he was at Leinster. So the, all he can really do with, with, the, with the Irish players is to kind of put a game plan together in the short time frames he has, and the type of game he put together would be based on you know, the players at his disposal and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And you also have to factor in that you know, players can do things and get away with things at provincial level, you know, in the in the Pro 12 and even the Heineken that won't wash at international level. Um, you know, you you have to think differently. You know, when 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 Leinster pitch up and they play uh, a Welsh team uh, in the in the Pro 12, they'll probably have more internationals or, or even better players on the field. But when you go in a test game, all the guys against you are international. So the the playing field is fairly is levelled off fairly quickly. So there's all all that factors into it. I mean, the general overall style of play that we we have in Ireland is kind of we, if you go back over the years, we've always. De- developed a team that has very good halfbacks. Like if you look back over the the fly halves in the last few years, David Humphreys, Ronan O'Gara, Jonathan Sexton, you have now Ian Madigan on the scene, uh, Paddy Jackson, you know, and even before that, guys like like Eric Elwood and all that. We always had solid halfbacks, and our game was built on that. And that hasn't changed, you know. That's that's the way we play the game in Ireland. But if you're trying to bore down into the micro of the game, you know, about game plans and strategies. I think it's 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 not as easy as as it might seem. Yeah, I can imagine that to be the case, Eddie. What about the slightly longer term idea that that Trevor puts forward there? That maybe Joe Schmidt can help us over a longer over a longer process, at least put the seeds in place for a bit more of a universal structure to what we do in the country. Is that even in his remit? To see enough on his plate without worrying about how Irish rugby will be in fifteen years' time. Well, firstly, it's not his job to do that. His job is to coach the national team. Um, and I got, I went back criticised for saying that as a national coach, your job is to, to coach the national team. It's not to worry about, um, you know, the pipelines coming through. All you can do is, is deal with the players coming through. He won't have time for that. There's two sides to that as well, I'd say. To be fair to the review, you know, we haven't decided to learn how to pass the ball, you know, since George Smith arrived. Well, he used to put a lot of emphasis in Leinster, and that was his kind of mantra, doing the simple things well. But in fairness to our view, 
Yeah, if you have coaching, um, uh, been developing coaches and players at underage level um, for for the last 25 years, it's, it's a very good structure. When you consider the limited pool of players we've had in Ireland and the, 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 the success we've had, you know, in competing at the top end of the game with a limited pool of players, there are a few done a lot of things right. So we are out there, and there are coaches out there every Saturday morning with mini rugby and underage rugby and, 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 and at club level developing players. So, it's, you know, there hasn't been a light bulb turned on in the last year where we've all decided, oh, God, we better start learning how to pass here. We haven't been doing it anyway. And, you know, you know the the the, the the, the coaches of provincial level have been the benefit of that. You know, Ron Nogara, when he started out as an under-14, learned to pass in car constitution. Peter Stringer, the same, you know. Um, so we've been at that for years. Joe Schmidt puts an emphasis on that, obviously. Um, and, you know, he's right. That is a very important part of the game. But that work has been going on all the time. And it, is, it isn't his job to do it. He might feel drawn to it. But he'll be judged at the bottom line as being the results of the Irish team. And I remember years ago, um, a, a fantastic rugby guy, Lord Merson has passed now, Jimmy Davidson, who was Irish coach. Jimmy had a vision of uh, at the time, and this was back in the amateur days, of Ireland playing the same way. And he, he was they used to beat that drum a lot. He spent a lot of time, um, you know, trying to, to spread the gospel of skill development. And there was a time when the All Blacks had just won the first World Cup and they, they, they had kind of set the standard. And, uh, you know, he was actually criticised for, for focusing on that when the results didn't go well at the national level. So, you know, there'd be no doubt that despite the best aspirations of, of, of spreading the gospel, the results will be the bottom line for the, for the Irish coach, as it always has been, it always will be, and it probably always should be. Yeah, what do you think of that, Trevor? Yeah, I mean, Eddie raises a completely fair point there. It's it's, it's a pragmatic uh, aspect of rugby is it's going to be driven by results. I, I would just maybe speculate that during the summer there was a period there, maybe Joe had a bit of time in his hands to, to go around the provinces and work with some of the academies. But as, as Eddie points out it's not going to be he's not going to be in a position to do that once the season proper starts um it is it is you know in a way it's a little bit um i don't want to say it, it is depressing to thought that we can only be you know focused on short term goals and and Eddie's totally right that passing has been central to any rugby strategy over the last while but for me uh Joe really Joe's emphasis really and a lot of players will echo this the way he he coached it and the way he he brought a, a new emphasis on it in terms of the simplicity of it and just hammering home some some areas some spe- specific drills you know i think um it's always it's always worth remembering how simple the game is, and when, but when when you have a fresh approach to it, it can bring a benefit. And I suppose Simon Hicks' original thesis about this being a perfect time for for this to to be to be brought about is 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 really possibly true because if you look at the and it goes back to Eddie's point about the type of players. If you look at the type of players that are coming through now, they are all kind of suited to that. And maybe like Eddie's saying, we have been dominated by halfbacks, but uh, the strength of our halfbacks. But now we've got a lot of young players, young out wide. You're looking at a really talent, a uh, new generation coming through there. So it's it's about maybe playing to those strengths now. And if you look. Uh, at the first half against Wales in the Six Nations last year, Ireland possibly played our first, our best forty minutes in in nearly a decade. I thought, and you know that was that was before um, this, the new coach in Joe Smith. That was under Declan Kidney, so it is there. And now, I think it could be it could be the eve of some um, maybe a, a new style of play. But as Eddie says, it will depend on those players. But I think we do have 
that generation coming through. Eddie, a lot is made, I guess, of the relationship between the national coach and the provincial coaches. Now, I don't know if the fact that most of them shared the same nationality is going to make any difference one way or the other. And I don't know if this actually is that big a deal. In terms of how successful Joe Schmidt can be in his job, is it important for him to have the provincial coaches on board? And if so, the fact that he's been one and a successful one himself, will that help, do you think? Well, it does help the fact that he's in the system and he understands it. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the system in Ireland is very unique compared to the system in, in England or France for, for, for certain matters. And, you know, Scotland and Wales have tried to emanate Ireland in terms of having a, a, a central uh, system where the national team is the focus and the provincial teams basically support the national team. Now, that's, that's an aspiration that the RFU have held to pretty well, despite the fact that it makes life very difficult at times. Um, you know, it's only back in, it's 10 years ago now, um, that we started to implement the, the, the player management schemes, which were very controversial. In other words, we, we, we knew we had a small pool of players. We, we knew that we couldn't have players playing 40 games a year, that they would have to get proper rest, uh, they'd have to get proper pre-season. And that was all based around getting the best sort of our resources. Um, and that's why fellas like, Brian O'Driscoll are still playing in, at 34 years of age. If Brian had played every rugby match in the last 10 years that he could have played, he'd be finished a long time ago. And that's the policy there. If you, it's it's tough on the provincial coaches, and you have to accept that. And and that at times has caused a certain amount of rancor between the national coach and the provincial coaches, because at the end of the day, the provincial coaches are judged on their results. And if you're stripping their team of international players uh, at certain times of the year because they have to be rested or whatever. That does create tensions, understandably so. But Joe Schmidt's been on the other side of the fence with the Leinster coach. He knows how it works. Now he's kind of poacher turned gamekeeper a bit, being the national coach, but at least he, he's, he understands how the system works. Um, certainly, having been in the system here, he'll find it less of a shock. I think a lot of provincial coaches, when they come in, that's the first thing that hits them, is that you don't have complete control over your squad all year round because they're centrally contracted by IRFU. But actually, in terms of New Zealand coaches, they'd be more aware of that because that's how the system works in New Zealand. Um, you know, it's exactly the same system, practically, where the All Blacks are, are ring-fenced and they only play certain times of the year um, and they're, 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 they're minded well. So... The fact that he's part of a system he understands is a big help, but it's certainly when the chips are down and, you know, Rob Penny's without some players or Mark Anscombe without players or Pat Lambs without them, um, and, 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 and the same for Leinster, um, you know, Joe, Joe will, will certainly feel a bit of heat, and that's just the way the system is. Now, in that circumstance, it's hard to be all sweetness and light all the time, you know, that's just the reality of it. But there are, the, the, the problem with that system, you know, when you implement it where players are ring-fenced and protective, and I rightly so, I think it's, it's a system that's served as well, uh, it's going to create certain tensions between the provincial coach and the national coach, and I think, you know, that's unavoidable. So it is what it is, but it, it hasn't, it's, we've had our moments, but it hasn't brought the house down, so put it that way. So he, he, he will have to deal with that, And uh, but he's dealt with it on the other side of the fence, so it's nothing new to him. Yeah, it sounds like maybe that's more of an issue for the provincial coaches than the national coach. Trevor, as the players started dropping like flies during that Six Nations campaign last year, you mentioned the brilliant half of rugby we had. Unfortunately, it all went downhill fairly quickly. Yeah. Even the second half wasn't great in Cardiff that time. Uh, players injured. Looked as though it was going to be Brian O'Driscoll's last year. He might finish on a pretty low note there in Italy. There was a fairly despondent feel to the whole thing. 
new coaches come in now. You're talking about some of the really good players, the high skill levels of the young players coming through. O'Driscoll's there for another year. Just internationally now, are you sort of confident about this season? Internationally, um, it's very hard to say. I mean, you're up against, it's going to lock on a hinge on this, this autumn international, Samoa first and Australia and finish against New Zealand. So it's really going to be, you know, a real test of how, of how quickly Joe can integrate um, any new approach he has straight away against such a ferocious side as Samoa um, under such pressure. So we'll have to wait and see and judge by, by those, those three games. Um, but going going by what we have, the players we have, I think there's going to be that 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 ability to to try and fuse the, that that first half, and even the second half was an outstanding second half defensively, and you could see you could see the the camaraderie that it has been building, and I don't think that you could deny that within the squad. So it's about bringing that through now against Samoa and seeing how that can. Um, how it can stack up for the first three games. I mean, we'll know a lot more by the time we, we uh, come off against New Zealand where, where it is, but it's very hard at the outset to judge. I mean, it's going to depend on how the, the first few ser- series of the Rabo go. So. Yeah. Eddie, what do you think yourself? Well, I mean, I think he has a decent running. You know, you never get much of a running because if he, if he got the job after the autumn, he'd have less of a running. So, I mean, I, I, I got the Irish job on the, the, the 1st of December and, you know, eight weeks later with the Six Nations. So you don't ever get much of a running. It's, it's, it's just the way the ball bounces for you. And even if you have a running like Joe has, you get limited time. It's not like he could take the Irish team away. It's a tough autumn and, like, there hasn't been much talk about but Samoa are ranked above Ireland at the moment. Uh, Ireland are 8th in the world, Samoa are 7th. Uh, so that that'll be an interesting one. With the, with the island teams, it depends on which island team shows up. If they all show up and they fire, they're they're going to be a terrible handful. So it's a tough autumn. But you know, I think he's going. Joe's going to get a, a grace period, and no one's expecting the world to to spin off its axis in the first few months. But you never know as well. You know, I mean, a new coach coming in, new ideas. Um, you know, even talking to to Leinster guys and around Connacht, there's a, there's a buzz because they have a new coach in and it's a new calls. So he's going to bring up a, a breath of fresh air into the squad, no matter what. And often that can can raise the game even more than you expect. So I think it'll be an interesting autumn, but it's a tough autumn. And I suppose if things start well with Samoa, we get Samoa under our belt. You could build towards a crescendo against New Zealand, and you never know. Like all things, it's a bit of momentum over that, that few weeks. If 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 things started badly, then you're kind of playing catch up a bit. So no one no one knows how it'll go, but we're all optimistic, especially with a new coach. And there's a good squad of players there. Um, you know, there's some very young talent coming through, and you have some old stalwarts as well that have set the ship. All right, Eddie O'Sullivan, thanks a million for that, and Trevor, great to have you in. Thank you. Thanks, thanks a million. Andrew, that's the question. That's going to be asked answer tonight. Tonight. So now. Come here tonight, tonight, into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight, their team is better set up tonight, tonight. But they just, the bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. Second Captains Football, available on irishtimes.com, Second Captains, and iTunes from 6 p.m. tonight. Tonight, 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 tonight. tonight. Certainly, Eddie seemed to feel that. Simon's theory was floundering on the rocks there a little bit, mainly because there's no reason for Joe Schmidt to care about the provinces other than working closely with them, sure, keeping them on side, but just getting them to deliver him the players. It's not it's not incumbent upon him to worry about trying to 
bring an overarching structure to Irish rugby or to introduce a playing style that's familiar to all concerned? No, because I, I suppose that will depend on the provincial coaches. But you've, you've got to think of it also as on a slightly lower level, not the sort of general team tactics level. It's not as though Munster are going to you know, do whatever Joe Schmidt suggests. But every, all of their players who go to train with the Irish team are going to now get the benefit of his experience and his ideas and 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 learn things from that. You know, I think, uh, I mean, I've you know read, for instance, rugby is a bit unusual in this in this way compared to um, compared to soccer, anyway. Where well, maybe you know, soccer's got a more internationalized club game, anyway. But uh, Irish players who go and play with the Lions, and so they're there working with the best players, the English, you know, Welsh, whatever players, and guys who they haven't necessarily seen before or trained up close with and uh, come away often thinking that they've learned a lot about uh, about these, you know, what, what these guys have done. I mean, just simply the exposure, I think, can be can be influential. Even if you go back to play for Munster or Ulster or whoever and it's a different team, you've still kind of, I think, learned something. Well, I mean, you can. You've got the opportunity. Yeah, I think the, the, it's exactly the same in uh, in Gaelic games where your county play, your best players go into a county setup. And they learn obviously hugely from the vast difference in training for intercounty as compared to club. But they go back to their clubs mm. and they bring that intercounty mentality and they ask their teammates to try and get up to that level. So, I mean, knowledge it's trickles down. But what has that got to do? Sorry, I don't it, understand it, the comparison with, well, with Joe Schmidt's. If, if, you're, if you're with the Ireland rugby team, with the guy who's as good as Joe Schmidt, who we all hope will be as good as he was with Leinster with Ireland, that there's a trickle-down effect. That the, If you're exposed to Joe Schmidt and how good he is at what he does, that you bring that back to your own... Yeah, province and I mean, I wouldn't even. Um, it's not like I'm sitting here saying, "Well, Joe Schmidt is clearly much better than whoever's in charge of Ulster and Munster." You know, those guys, <laughs> those guys are going to be delighted their players get the chance to learn from a real coach. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. Just, but he is. He's clearly you can't have too different. many good coaches. You can't, you, you know, a good, even though a, a lot of people argue that there should be more Irish coaches. A good influence story. is a good influence, you know. I mean, and your players are going to pick something up from that, and. You know, who knows when they're going to be able to put that into practice for their provincial side. We'll be talking a lot more football at six o'clock tonight in Second Captain's Football with Ken here. And I'll be there for that as well. In the meantime, I should urge people to tune in to our first ever TV show together or T2 tomorrow night, half past ten. We after think that would be a, just a good play by you if you could do that. It's after, I think it's fun. It's after the Ireland-Austria match or after the panel finished up discussing that. We'll come on in a programme after. What, what can people expect from Second Captain's Live? I'm kind of thinking, right, if you take Noel's House Park yeah. Pat Sharp's Funhouse mm. and the Crystal Maze you've gotten about <laughs> 65% of the way you know of 65% of add in some extra was. some extra gunge on top of that yeah just a lot of gunge a lot of gunge a lot of a lot of pranks no no pranks but you've got you've got a basic idea mostly, there I think mostly gunge alright look forward to that Murph thank you thank you Owen. thanks Ken thanks Owen thanks Th- Kieran thanks, thanks very much for listening chat to you soon That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 